Well, as I said earlier, we're looking at Ephesians, and one of the main reasons we're looking at is it because it helps us to think about this question, what is the church? Why bother with the church? Now, I wonder, as I ask that question to you, how do you see the church this morning? How do you see the church? Maybe you see it as a building. Maybe you see it as this meeting, and it's once a week kind of thing, you know, something nice to do on a Sunday morning, or maybe not even something nice to do, something you do on a Sunday morning, and then it's done, tick, job done. Maybe you see it as quaint, kind of old-fashioned. Maybe you see it as something traditional, something that should be good for you, like, you know, exercise or eating healthily. You don't enjoy it that much, but you think, oh, I should do it. Perhaps you see it as a nice place to visit now, now and again. Maybe as a Christian, you know the church isn't just a building, but it's the people but it's some people who you're kind of distant from, some people you kind of know, sort of, but it doesn't really have an impact on the rest of your life, just one day a week, one morning a week. Well, this passage is going to help us get to the core and and answer that question of why we bother with the church and why we need to uh, see how important the church is. God is the designer of the church, and this morning we get to see part of his blueprint. It's not man's idea, but God's plan. And it's not something small and insignificant, but something huge. And as we saw last week, it's part of God's answer to the the hope of the world in bringing people together. In this passage, Paul uses three pictures to describe the church. He looks at the kingdom and how God's people are part of God's kingdom. He looks at the idea of a family together. And then he talks about a temple. And those three pictures you'll see in these four verses that we're looking at. And so I want to ask this question, why bother with the church... And the answer, number one, is this, looking at these three pictures. It is a place where we find home. A place where we find home. Last week, we looked at our biggest problem. And the biggest problem of humanity is that we're alienated from God. We are distant from the God we were made to know intimately. And because of that uh, broken relationship, relationships all around us are broken too. Our relationship with one another is affected. There are tensions between people. There's division between people. And last week we saw there's Jew and Gentile and there was hostility. And God's answer is to send his son Jesus. And by his blood we are brought near to him and we are brought near to one another. Peace is made with God. Peace is made with others. And that is started, that relationship of peace between one another is started in the church. So instead of being distant from God, we are now close to him by the blood of Jesus. And that's why in verse 19 he says, so then, because of all of that, you are not aliens and strangers. You're not wandering around without a home, but now you have a home. Verse 19, you are fellow citizens. You've found your homeland, your country, where you belong. I don't know if you've spent time outside of the culture where you were born or where you grew up, Maybe you've lived abroad for a time. Maybe you're living abroad now. Maybe you're aware of what it's like to be outside of where you feel most comfortable. When you do move to another country or spend time there, the language is different. The, the, um, the food is different. The smells and the sounds are different. It's not home. It doesn't feel quite right. Now, you might enjoy your time there and you might settle a little, but it's never quite the same as being home. And so when he uses those words, aliens and strangers, that's what he's talking about. He's saying when you're not, no longer wandering around, you're no longer out of comfort, but you've found a place that is your home. Where is our true home as humans? 
Where are we meant to be? Well, it's a big theme in the Bible, this theme of exile, being away from home. One of those big themes that holds the whole Bible together. We were created, our true home is where we start in the Bible, which is Eden, to be again in this relationship with God, close to Him, near to Him. But we walked out on that relationship. We're now east of Eden. We're outside of Eden. We, we are no longer near to Him as humans. So we're outside of the, the atmosphere that we were created to enjoy and know. One person's illustrated it like this. Imagine that you land on Mars. Okay, you land on Mars and the door opens and you remove, for some reason, your spacesuit. I wouldn't advise it. Either of those things, go into Mars or removing a spacesuit when you get there. But if you do that, what would happen? Well, physically, you would start to fall apart, wouldn't you? You're not made for life on Mars. The atmosphere there is not for our bodies. Not only that, but if you were on Mars, you'd be all alone. So socially, you will break down. And psychologically, that's not home. That's not where you were born. That's not where you belong. And in the same way, our world is now falling apart because it's not the atmosphere, as it were, that we were created for. We were to be close to God, to be with Him. And as we look around, all of the problems that we see stem back to this problem of us walking out on God. Socially, psychologically, uh, we're, we're falling apart. There's death, there's decay, there's disease entering into God's world. See, this isn't home as God intended. So whenever we face trials, whenever we face pain and discomfort, whenever we fall out with others, it's a reminder to us this isn't home. I've said before, it's a bit like when you go camping. If you've ever been camping, you know the first night, if it's sunny, it's lovely. Oh, look at this, living in the great outdoors, and it's wonderful, living the dream. And then three or four nights in, after it starts to rain a bit, and you realize you'll never get your socks dry, there starts to become some other funny smells. And then the wind comes, and you lose some pegs, and you just think, this doesn't right. And you still can't get to the bottom of what that smell is, and you just think, oh dear, where do you long to be? You want to put your feet up and you want to go home. Because you weren't meant to live in a tent long term. In the same way, we are not at home. So what the, what's God's answer? We're told Jesus makes it possible for us to know true home, to us to be near to God again, for us to know that relationship restored. So because of Jesus, we are brought near. He has died to restore that relationship. We're not strangers and aliens anymore, but we found our homeland. Verse 19, we are fellow citizens with the saints. We found our, our place where we belong. So how does the church fit into that picture? Well, as we'll get onto it, the church isn't perfect. The church isn't going to be a place where it's just, there's no problems when you're part of a church, not at all. But it is to be a place where we get a taste of our true home, where we belong forever in a world made new. This is to be a taste of it. I don't know if you know much about embassies or consulates. I didn't until I had to just check that I had this right. But uh, and if you go to another country, there will be embassies of your country there. So if you were to go to another country and um, you needed help or support or something went wrong, you could go to that embassy. And that embassy, even though it's in another country, that when you enter that embassy, you are on home ground, homeland. Yeah, it is owned by your home nation. That is why people seek um, exile and, and protection in embassies in other countries, uh, because the different laws apply within those places, the laws of the homeland. So in one sense, 
we are to be a bit of an embassy of heaven when people come to church when people experience being with other church members because we have the same father because we've experienced the grace of god because we've known this relationship restored it should be a taster a taster of what life is truly for as imperfect as we may be that is something of what we pray for we'll see that we don't live up to this and that's why paul is writing this he says in verse 11 remember remember these things but maybe this morning you feel restless maybe you feel like you're just longing for home and to put your feet up somewhere as it were spiritually and you've looked everywhere else well jesus invites you this morning to come to him come home come back to what you were made to know he died so you could be forgiven and maybe as a christian you've been wandering you've been drifting and you've tried other things tried other places as it were god has lovingly come into each one of us today and said saying come home don't wander anymore look what i've done for you i've lit the fire come in rest let's pray as a church we get to be what a what a privilege a tiny bit of heaven on our way to glory that as we meet together as we pray together as we spend time helping and supporting one another we just get that taste of what we were made for why is why bother with the church because it's a place where we can find home secondly it's a place where we can find acceptance so the first picture is one of a kingdom we see in verse 19 but then he talks in that um, verse as well about a household a family you are members of the household of god members of the household you're in the family he's saying so christian is somebody who is trusted in jesus and now we're part of the family when we say the lord's prayer what do we start with our father not my father it's a corporate thing we're to do it together and say together our father do you see what that makes us if we're trusting in jesus this morning brothers and sisters god is our father jesus is our wonderful big brother and we have this glorious family promise now a family isn't something you earn is it you don't earn your position in a family you're in a family you don't get much say about it however much that might frustrate us at times you're in your family and in the same way when we're in the family of god it should be a safe place a place where we can be uh, together a place there where there is security you know with a family the, the the hard thing about the family or uh, the reality of the family is that they know you don't they through and through they know you warts and all they've seen you at their at your worst they've seen you when you lose your temper they've seen your annoying habits they've seen all your weaknesses with a family you don't just walk out when things get hard you're part of the family and in the same way god's picture for the local church is to be a family of god is to be part of that together now in the same way we pray that god would help us we are not perfect as a church we will let one another down but let's pray that we get to be a place where we can be real with one another where we can say you know i'm finding it hard you know life is hard for everybody most of the time that's the reality we like to think or we don't like to think but we tend to fall into thinking that nobody else is struggling like me nobody else is going through what i'm going through we assume everybody else is doing fine and i'm the only one that's finding it hard and so in order to kind of fit in sometimes we do um wear masks don't we 
I know some of us might still be wearing a mask, but we don't have to pretend to be smiling all the time. Do you remember when masks were everywhere and there was loads of different types? I remember seeing somebody with the one with a smile printed on it. Have you seen one of them? Yeah? And it was, it was pretty disconcerting to see somebody with a mask with a pretend smile on it. But sometimes we can do that in church, can't we? We just pretend it's all okay. But God wants us to be real with one another. He says, look, your family, you're part of the household of God. A place where you can breathe, a place where you can be real with one another and not pretend. But the problem is we're not always great at that, are we? The truth is we worry that we're the only ones struggling. So let's pray that we can look out for one another. Assume that somebody will be struggling with something and to pray and support each other. Perhaps this morning you've been really hurt by someone in the past. Perhaps this morning you've really been hurt by church. It's really hard, isn't it? Because we see what God wants for the church and yet so often we fall short of it. If you have been hurt by another church or by this church, I'm so sorry. But please don't let that put you off Jesus. He is the faithful one. He is the member of the family who will never let us down. Let's pray that we as a church can look after one another. How can we be doing that? Think through how we can help one another, encourage one another, have each other around each other's homes and uh, pray for each other. Let's pray that we can reflect the family, the household of God. If you have been hurt, remember that what hurt you has also hurt God's heart. And he knows what it's like. Jesus knows what it's like to be let down by those near to him, those he trusted and those who hurt him. And let's pray together for the supernatural comfort that God can bring to his family. So why do we bother with the church? Well, Paul is saying here, look, it's a place you can find home. Secondly, it's a place where you can find acceptance. And thirdly, it says, it's a place where you can find connection. Take, Paul takes us to this final picture in verse 20. And he says, um, you are saints and members of the household of God, verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So we've looked at two pictures. One is this kingdom, a place we can find home. Secondly, he then looks at the family of God, and now he says, but the church is also the temple of the Lord. Now notice he's not saying that the church is a building. It's not saying that church is uh, bricks and mortar, but he's saying the people are like a building. Yeah, there's an di important difference there. So just we, thankfully we have a building, it's something we can thank God for, but there are churches all over the world today that are meeting in schools, meeting outside maybe, or meeting in a hall where they found, because the church is the people, not the building. But here he wants to say, look, you are the temple of God. Now, what's going on there? Well, the temple is an Old Testament word, so we need to know what he means when he says about the temple. Remember, in the Old Testament, the temple was where God dwelt with his people in a special way. He wanted them to know, I am with you. So it started as the tabernacle. So when they were camping in the wilderness, there were the tents, and in the middle of the camp was the tabernacle. God dwelt there in a special way, and his glory descended on it, and he said, I'm here with you. Here we're being told, the church of God is like that tabernacle, which then became the temple. It is where God's glory is to be seen and experienced. It is where God makes his presence known. Look at verse 22. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his Spirit. 
through God's people, His church, His glory can be known and experienced. That's what we're being told. So, together we are being built into the house of God. We've been built into the spiritual house. Now, what does that mean? It means we need to be connected together, doesn't it? In 1 Peter, he uses uh, this picture as well, and he says, you yourselves are like living stones built up into a spiritual house. So this morning, you are a brick. Do you realize that? It's not the most complimentary thing you can be told, is it? You are a brick in the church of God. And that's so important to see, isn't it? A brick is no good on its own. Can't really, it is no use. Maybe as a doorstop, maybe. <laughs> but really, a brick is meant to be with other bricks so that you can have a building, so that it can be useful. That means we need to be connected to each other. A brick isn't just in the middle of a field or one over here. No, we need to be connected to each other. We need one another. The more we know um, of, uh, the more we, nearer we are to each other, the more we can know of God. That's what it's saying here. We can be connected, built together. We grow together. So if we distance ourselves from the church, we'll, there's no surprise that we might drift away from God because we need each other to help each other, to remind each other about the truths of the Bible. We can grow together. Now, sometimes you might say, oh, now maybe you've heard this, maybe you've said this yourself. I, I believe in God, I trust in Jesus, but I don't need the church. I don't need to be part of a church. Well, Spurgeon, who was a preacher in the 19th century in London, um, didn't mince his words. And listen to what he said about that. He says, I know there are some who say, well, I've given myself to the Lord, but I do not intend to give myself to any church. No, why not? Because I can be a Christian without it. Are you quite clear about that? You can be a good Christian by disobedience to your Lord's command, as by being obedient. There is a brick. What's it made for? To help build a house. It is of no use for that brick to tell you that it is just as good a brick while it's kicking about on the ground as it would be in the house. It's a good-for-nothing brick. So you're, roll you're a rolling stone Christian. I don't believe that you are answering your purpose. You are living contrary to the way in which Christ would have you live. See, if we're bricks, he's saying we need to be connected. We're being built to grow together. That's the picture that gets across here. And the thing with bricks is if one moves... It affects everybody, doesn't it? If you move, all move. All are affected. Now, I wonder, as we think about the church, why bother with the church? We need that connection. Over the past two years, um, one of the reasons it's been so hard for so many people in our country and all over the world is we've had to disconnect from people, haven't we? We've been going into isolation. We've been having to um, keep a distance and all of these phrases that are now part of our vocabulary. And as we know, we found it hard. And over the years, we are going to see, aren't we, so many knock-on effects from what we've had to go through over these past few years. Why is that? Because we were built to be together. God designed us in a way to be community, to be uh, together. That's why humans can't be isolated. That is why uh, loneliness is such a horrible thing. Because we know we need one another. We're built to be communal. We have a God who is community, Father, Son, Spirit. We need one another. We're made in His image. That is why loneliness is so hard and horrible. And so here, God's answer is, look, I want you to be connected. I want you to be a brick together, being built. Are you connected to others in the fellowship in this way? Do we know how others are struggling that we can help and encourage? 
Are you letting others know? So often, when, you, when we pray for each other, if you start by saying, look, actually, I'm struggling with this, that can be a way where uh, other people realise, oh, I'm not the only one. And it can help breed that kind of honesty and helpfulness to pray for each other. We're not doing this individually. We need to do it together. Do you see the idea of a temple? And then we will know the dwelling place for God by His Spirit in His people. Now, there's an important phrase there that I don't want us to miss. It says in verse 22, you are also being built. Do you see what that's telling us? We are a work in progress. The church is a building site. I don't know much about building sites, but I do know that you, you know, they can be dangerous places. You need a hard hat, don't you? Because things can happen. And it's not the finished article. Or in the same way, with, as the church, we are not the finished article. In all of these things, Paul is saying, remember this because we forget. We, we are called to be the family of God and we let each other down. We are called to be this taste of home, this taste of heaven, and yet we can be often the opposite. We are called to be the temple, the dwelling place of God, and yet uh, we can end up feeling so distant and instead of being bricks together, we're separated. See, we are works in progress. So again, let me say, if you have been upset by someone in this church or another church, I'm so sorry you've had to go through that. The pain is even um, more painful when it's someone that you trusted, someone that you thought was going to care for you, and it's a horrible place to be. But please don't let that put you off Jesus, the one who loves you so much and has given all for you. And this morning, let's have this in our minds that we are all works in progress. Church isn't a place where you have to be a certain standard of goodness to be part of. No, we come as failures. We come ready to admit that, Lord, we need you. We are weak, but he is strong. So how can we then, as a church, be more like this? How can we be more like um, a family, uh, connected together, these bricks? How can we more a taste of home? Well, look at verse 20 tells us we need to be grounded on something. We need to have something at the heart of everything we do. And it's this, verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. The cornerstone was the part of the temple in the corner, which would shape the whole temple, a massive rock, which was put down first, part of the foundations, and that shaped everything about the temple. And Paul is saying, look, what has to shape everything about you is Jesus. He's the one who brings us together. He's the one who shapes everything. And we build everything on him, on the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. That is the apostles, the one commissioned by Jesus, which is basically the New Testament writings. The prophets, the Old Testament, and how God spoke there. So God's words to be our foundation. We don't just make this up. We build it on uh, the God's word and what's God's word all about Jesus told us is all about him so it's built on Jesus everything is shaped by him we are to be selfless as he was selfless we are to sacrifice for others as he was sacrificed for others we are to be ready to forgive as he forgives us everything shaped by Jesus he's the one we keep coming back to and the thing about foundations is you don't dig foundations up and start again do you the foundations are there so we need to keep building on Jesus. Now, we might need to go back sometimes and check and remind ourselves if the foundations are solid and that they're there, and we need to always do that. 
but Jesus is our foundation. So we need to be reflecting him and showing him. He is the shape. We need to be a Jesus-shaped church. So how can we find our home in the church of Jesus? How can we find acceptance? How can we find the presence of him? Well, isn't this exactly what Jesus came into the world to do? Jesus came into this world and think of what, where he left. He left his home of heaven. He left his home and was homeless. He had nowhere to lay his head, the Bible tells us. He had no home. And on the cross, he came, and on the cross he cried out, instead of my father, he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? The family, as it were, was, uh, Jesus knew what it was to be forsaken by his father. On the cross, instead of knowing the presence of the father, he knew a rejection. So he was plunged into the darkness for three hours. Jesus did that. He left his home, do you see, so that we could know a welcome in his home. Jesus knew what it was to be rejected from the family, thrown out, cast out, so that we could know an acceptance through Jesus. Jesus knew what it was to know the coldness of, of his father so that we could know his warmth and smile. Jesus did that for us. And so everything we need to do, we need to keep coming back to, Jesus did this for us. Let's shape ourselves by the cross and the foundation there. We remember all he's done for us. And the more we realize how great, glorious Jesus is, the more we're shaped by him, the more our church and churches become a taste of heaven on earth. The more they become a place where there is a, a radical acceptance with one another because of how Jesus has accepted us. The more we understand that, the more we are full of forgiveness, uh, the more we are aware of the presence of God with us. So this morning, please let's pray. Lord, we want to be a church shaped by Jesus, not by our ideas, not by our thoughts, not by um, culture's ideas or thoughts, but by Jesus and he is the cornerstone, he's the foundation. That's what we want to be coming back to all the time. This is God's plan. This is part of his glorious plan. Now, just as we close today, are you part of that? Do you want to be part of that? See, why bother with the church? The church isn't just some quaint thing that some people do on a Sunday morning. It is part of God's glorious plan to give us a taste of heaven before we get there, to be his family, to support and encourage us through this, uh, the, the, the brutalness of this world. It is part of God's plan to us for us to know his presence with us, helping us every step of the way. This is something big. I mean, anyone can be part of it. It's not just uh, something that you think, oh, I need to be good enough. No, no, no. It's about God's grace and knowing his love for us. You can be part of it and Jesus invites you. Come and be part of my family. Come and be part of what I've done. It's free. Free gift of grace. And with all our imperfections, we keep looking to Jesus. We keep looking to him. His shape. He shapes it all. He is our cornerstone. And he's the one we need. So let's pray to him now as we close. And if you haven't turned to him, why not this morning? I'm going to say, Lord, I need you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that there is a glorious hope in Jesus. Father, we thank you that you have given us brothers and sisters in Christ to help us on our way and to support us. We pray, Lord, you'd help us to be more and more like Jesus. We want to ask together for forgiveness for how so often we are too much like a work in progress. 
and we don't reflect the goodness of God. We don't show the love that you've shown us. Please forgive us, Lord. And I ask, Lord, for anybody here this morning who's been hurt by the church in the past or been let down by the church in the past, that they, please, Lord, would not be uh, put off Jesus, but they would see that he loves them dearly. Please heal broken uh, wounds, Lord, this morning by your grace. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.